This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. Here's today's quote. Quote, In every age, everybody knows that up to his own time, progressive improvement has been taking place. Nobody seems to reckon on any improvement in the next generation. We cannot absolutely prove that those are in error who say society has reached a turning point, that we have seen our best days. But so said all who came before us, and with just as much apparent reason. On what principle is it that with nothing but improvement behind us, we are to expect nothing but deterioration before us. End quote. Those are the words of historian, politician, paymaster general, and secretary of war, Thomas Babington Macaulay. As an aside, right out of the gate, is secretary of war not just a badass title? Right, We used to have one here in the United States. Macaulay was the secretary of war in England, but we here in the United States changed it to the secretary of defense after World War II. Thanks a lot, Harry Truman. But I digress. This isn't an episode about Truman, but about Macaulay and what an interesting man he was. He was born October 25th, 1800, in Leicestershire, England. And he died December 28th, 1859, in London, England. And for those British listeners out there, if I mispronounced Leicestershire now twice, I certainly apologize. Now, Macaulay grew up in relative privilege and attended private school in his early years. His father was a colonial governor, and his uncle, after whom he was named, was a prominent landowner and politician. And that's weird, right? It's not just me. Naming your child after their father's brother is a strange thing, isn't it? I don't think we do that anymore. Maybe we do. Either way, 19th century England, a little bit weird. And Macaulay was a strong advocate of education and worked diligently till his death on his multi-volume historical account entitled The History of England from the Ascension of James II. Before his death, he published four volumes and was working on a fifth when he died of a heart attack in 1859. And I didn't know, and perhaps you didn't either, but I looked, and James II took the throne in 1685. That was his ascension. And the fourth volume culminated with the Peace of Ryswick, and a little bit later, the death of William III, which took place in 1702. So if you're doing math at home, that's right, that's four volumes covering a whopping 17 years. Now that is what I call an exhaustive work. And you can take that from a guy who releases a 15 to 20 minute podcast once a week. And in addition to that hugely detailed series, Macaulay published numerous other works, including the also multi-volume source of today's quote entitled Critical and Historical Essays. This was a six-volume binding of various essays and narratives, all Macaulay's, but in critiques of others. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. The collection was published originally in 1843, but spanned as far back as 1825 as single standalone essays. And we've talked about this technique before. This is very common in the 19th century, which a person, perhaps a writer, perhaps an orator, would write an essay and convert it to a speech or a talk or the inverse of that, often touring to promote and refine and repeat the speech. Later, after the individual had accumulated many successes and name recognition had taken hold, 
they would combine their speeches and essays into a volume for broader publishing. And this is a really fascinating technique as, unlike today, when thoughts and ideas just roll off the tips of our fingers or our lips into the world of social media, this often took years or even decades in the 18th and 19th centuries. Thus, we get a multi-decade glimpse at the thought processes, education, and learning of some of the world's most very interesting people. Macaulay is no exception. And today's quote comes from Volume 2 of 6, all of which are available online in both plain text, HTML, and even e-reader formats for free. And fear not, they're quite digestible, as 19th century writings go, a degree of readability above those, say, of maybe the Federalist papers, which predate them by a fair number of years. However, they continue to be renowned for their readability and, as essays, can be digested in small parts. And I really like this kind of book, and I wish more people would publish books like this, a collection of short essays. And I know what you're thinking. If you're an avid reader, there's probably plenty out there that I haven't read that are exactly of this format. I think it's particularly fascinating. One of the best books that I've read over the last few years is a book entitled Is Congress Broken? And it's a book that is actually a collection of writings from various PhDs on both sides of the political spectrum on whether the United States Congress is broken. And it's fascinating because they take different stances on the particular topic. They defend their positions well and taken as individual essays could be individually compelling to the point where you might change your mind. But what I found is that by looking at both sides of the question and answering some of those questions that are posed by the writers themselves, I found myself going, "Eh, it's frustrating, yes, but it's not necessarily broken. So that's why I like this particular type of book, a collection of essays with a variety of opinions. It's much more difficult to curate something like this on your own. So the author of Is Congress Broken? and certainly Macaulay with his book, Critical and Historical Essays, does the work for you. And in the second volume, Macaulay publishes essays on John Stuart Mill, John Bunyan, no relation to Paul, Lord Byron, and a harsh criticism, as harsh criticisms of 19th century writings go, of an anti-Semitic proposition brought before Parliament to deny Jews the ability to serve in Parliament for completely fanciful and absurd reasons. That's right. As I said, the book is quite fascinating. But today's quote comes from an essay entitled, Southie's Colloquies. And this is a scathing review of Southie and his works. And I'm regularly amused by the words chosen to take down someone in, quote, olden years. If you want a good chuckle, I recommend examining the U.S. presidential race of 1800 between Jefferson and Adams and some of the mud that they slung back and forth because it's quite entertaining. And this essay takes on a very similar tone to that. And Macaulay, in this essay, lays into Southie, whose essay, Colloquies on Society, he feels is wholly ignorant of the state of the real world specifically of the suffering of the working class in England at the time. Remember, this is mid-19th century, maybe uh, slightly before that. And for those that don't know, because I didn't, a colloquy is actually a formal word for a conversation. So another way to read the title of Southie's essay is Conversations on Society. So this is a man who, as you'll come to learn here in a moment, is a poet laureate. He is very accomplished in writing and things of that nature. But Macaulay says, wait a minute, this guy is speaking way out of his depth. This, has, this is an individual who's very accomplished in one area who has no business speaking in this other area. 
And Southey claims, in his essay, that though there are hardships on the working class, many of them are their own fault. And that they're still, at the end of the day, better off than they would have been in the old days. So basically, he's saying, what is there to complain about? Sure, you're the working class, sure life is hard, but some of that's your own fault, and you could have been born 100 years ago and it would have been even worse. So stop complaining. That's more or less the tone of Southie's essay. And you can go find this essay, just look up colloquies on society, and you'll see it, and read it, and you'll probably roll your eyes about as hard as I did. And Macaulay takes him to task, rightfully, from the very beginning of his essay, dropping a couple of excellent lines in just the first couple of paragraphs. He says, quote, It would be scarcely possible for a man of Mr. Southey's talents and acquirements to write two volumes so large as those before us, which should be wholly destitute of information and amusement. It's pretty rough. Later, he goes on to say, We have, for some time past, observed with great regret the strange infatuation which leads the poet laureate, again Mr. Southey, to abandon those departments of literature in which he might excel and to lecture the public on sciences of which he has still the very alphabet to learn. Again, I think that constitutes a sick 19th century burn. And then finally, just coming to the end of the second paragraph of this long essay, he says, It is indeed most extraordinary that a mind like Mr. Southey's should be utterly destitute of the power of discerning truth from falsehood. End quote. So it should come as no surprise to you, the listener and the reader of this essay, that Macaulay has no love loss for this particular writing by Mr. Southey. And he then lays out over, again, a very long essay, his case against Southey's attitude towards the current state of England, and importantly, the future state of England. And it is near the end, in his summary of his position, that he lays out our quote for today as a final figurative nail in the coffin of the criticism of Southey's state of things. He says, quote, In every age, everybody knows that up to his own time, progressive improvement has been taking place. Nobody seems to reckon on any improvement in the next generation. We cannot absolutely prove that those are in error who say society has reached a turning point, that we have seen our best days. But so said all who came before us, and with just as much apparent reason. On what principle is it that with nothing but improvement behind us, we are to expect nothing but deterioration before us? End quote. Now, imagine that I were to tell you that this quote, Macaulay's criticism of Southie, and Southie's original colloquies, were not penned in the 19th century, but today. Sounds crazy, but perhaps it's not. And we certainly have a working class, and they have many complaints to register, many valid complaints to register. And there are those today who would say things like, well, even the poorest among us are far better off than they would have been in Macaulay's days, and a lot of their distress is their own fault. This sounds an awful lot like the avocado toast argument, right? More millennials would be able to afford houses if they'd stop buying avocado toast. It's their own fault. Similar vein, no? And perhaps you've been a party to these conversations over Thanksgiving dinner. And if so, I'm sorry to hear that. And we've talked before about the trajectory of the world. Recall way back in episode 43 from a few years ago, where we looked at part of Barack Obama's commencement address to Howard University. And in that commencement address, he talked about, and I'm summarizing here, that if you had to choose any day in history to be born, it would be today. Not 100 years ago, not 500 years ago, today. 
Because why? Because the world is more prosperous and more free than it ever has been. And sure, there are exceptions, and some would beg to differ, but overall, it's undeniable that the world is better off today than it has ever been. And this speech that Obama gave was in 2016. And I'd argue that you choose to be born in 2023 instead of 2016 if you had the choice as well. Such is the nature of progress. So too with Macaulay's words. He's not saying that the world is perfect. England at the time had many an issue, and it certainly does today, as does every place in the world. But remember, this is a criticism of someone who was certain that England was headed for a disaster that the world was about to end, and that this change or that change would result in the irrevocable destruction of the institutions we know and love. And, not to put too fine a point on it, that their, quote, way of life was in jeopardy. Does any of this sound familiar? And Macaulay rightfully cries foul. He admits that the world is imperfect and in need of reform. Remember, this is the mid-19th century. Slavery and colonization were still very much a thing. Much progress was yet to be made. And today, that holds true as well. We have much progress to make ourselves. But also in line with Macaulay's words, if you think the world is about to come to an end, if you think this piece of legislation or that is going to end your way of life, I refer back to Macaulay's words. On what principle is it that with nothing but improvement behind us, you expect nothing but deterioration ahead of us? And you may say, well, I don't agree that there's nothing but improvement behind us. Okay, Macaulay actually addresses that a bit earlier in the essay, when he compares local deterioration to global progress by way of the ocean. He says, quote, A single breaker may recede, but the tide is evidently coming in. End quote. So remember today that while individual moments may be scary, tension in decision-making may be stressful, and disagreements abound all around us, the trajectory of the world, in nearly every way, is towards positive progress. Education, infant mortality, life expectancy, gender equality, liberty, justice, prosperity, they're all trending upward. And this is good for all of us. So take heart. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe. This is Quotations. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at quotationspod or join the conversation on Facebook at quotationspod. I look forward to hearing from you. Welcome your feedback. And thanks as always for listening.